Our episodes frequently involve triggering events. If you or anyone you know is suffering, Crisis Text Line offers free 24-7 support. Text HOME to 741-741 for the U.S. and Canada, 85258 for the U.K., and 50808 for Ireland. You can find them on crisistextline.org, and they're also available to message via Facebook. Thanks to our contributors for sharing their stories with us tonight. Anonymous. User Sticky Sicky. User Robinhood3234. And user AK Angelic. Now, get comfy and prepare yourself for another episode of The Nightmare Society. We've been in this house almost two months now. I love it. Five acres and a lovely home. Great place to raise my kids. Then I met the neighbor across the road. Turns out his daughter lives to our left. His nephew to our right. His sister two houses one way. And brother three houses the other way. Not uncommon but still interesting to learn. The guy is 82 years old, but he looks and acts like he's 60. He's also the most racist, sexist person I've ever met. He told us our yard is to be mowed every five days. This is farmland, there is no HOA, and my yard is a hayfield we're bailing. He also said that I am not to address him directly, but to have my husband call or go through his wife if we need anything. He said I should grow my hair out as I would look more motherly. I just smiled and nodded, attributing his attitude to his age. Days later, a knock on the door. Gentleman introduces himself as neighbor diagonally across the street. He hands me a Bible, says everyone on the street attends a certain church. His smile is all teeth. Everything about him screams sleazeball. He turns, still grinning, to walk down my porch steps saying, I'll see you on Sunday, 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 before I can answer. Saturday, my husband is outside when a car pulls up. First neighbor's wife walks right into my house like she owns the place, gasps at the Halloween decorations and asks to speak to, quote, the woman of the house, privately outside. Yeah, outside sounds like a great idea. I snapped, more than a little agitated. Again, I consider age. Among the topics were, you need to mow the yard. My husband is going to tell your husband that you've been driving and walking out of the yard to get the mail. You need to take down those skeletons, they're vulgar. I'll be babysitting your infant son twice a week for five hours, since he is the first, I kid you not, her exact words were, fresh blood in the area in a long time. At this point, my mama bear becomes way stronger than my southern manners so I stand up and tell her to leave. She seems unfazed. 
telling me I need to be more ladylike, so I tell her to leave or I'll call the cops. She huffs and leaves. She or her husband have parked in the road and stared down my house twice now. The church fellow has left us handwritten letters in our mail every week since the first Sunday. We missed you at church this Sunday. You need to be there this week. I already went to the useless backwoods cops for whatever good it did me. I feel like I've moved into the wrong turn movies. So weird, neighbors. Let's quit meeting. So my first year of college, about four years ago, I lived in an off-campus apartment building meant for students. It had a pool, a rec room, 24-hour gym, etc. All those cool amenities that sound nice to a 17-year-old who's about to live on her own for the first time. Never did I think I could run into a threat in my own little college apartment bubble. So one night I got home from a friend's house around 2 in the morning, and I still had a ton of energy. I never really went to the gym, but I thought running on the treadmill sounded really nice. Plus, I thought I'd be alone down there. I go and there's only one other person in the gym. Some dude, like, sitting on a machine on his phone. I didn't think anything of it. I started running and listening to music. He progressively got closer and closer to me until he was sitting on a machine that was directly behind me. And he wasn't working out. I tried not to look back at him too much, but I knew for a fact he was trying to look up my shorts while I was running. They were baggy, so yeah, I don't know. It was when he finally just sat on the floor that I knew for sure he was sneaking a peek. I felt so uncomfortable after I realized that that I progressively slowed the machine and headed towards the exit. Of course, as soon as I start to walk away, he approaches me. He repeatedly asks me if I would go on a date with him, or if I would come hang out in his apartment upstairs. He pretty much blocked me from exiting the room, and I didn't know what to do since no one was around at that hour. I tried to tell him I had a boyfriend and I wasn't interested, but he wouldn't take no for an answer. I finally gave him a fake number, so he let me go home. I ran to the elevator to get back to my floor and felt really lucky he didn't follow me to see which apartment I lived in. So, creepy Jim dude, let's not meet again. It all started about a month ago. It was the 30 days of fasting and we were on day 20. My friends and I always got dragged somewhere with our parents to a mosque, which is a Muslim equivalent of a church, where all of the adults hang out upstairs after breaking their fast, and the little kids mess around in the basement. My friends and I were pretty bored because we didn't have much to do at that point, but then one of my friends, Sean, suggested that we should go check out this abandoned kindergarten. At first, I was pretty hesitant about the idea since if we got caught, our parents wouldn't live it down. 
Nonetheless, I decided to go. The downside was that it was pouring rain and the streets shimmered with cars. We went to Sean's house, which was right near the mosque, to get his backpack full of flashlights and to get some food. Our friends decided to wuss out, and in the end, it was just Sean and me. It took ten minutes of walking in the pouring rain, but we got to the kindergarten. The outer parts of it were creepy. There was a lot of trash surrounding it, and the doors seemed openable. Sean went up the stairs to get to the front entrance. The entrance has stairs on both sides, so I went to the left and checked out the windows. I shined my flashlight through there and started looking through it. The first thing I noticed was there were all of these stuffed animals. They were arranged in a weird pattern, almost spelling out a V. The window was locked tight, so I got down and Sean gave me a sign that the front door was locked. We eventually resorted to checking out the entrance under the stairs and noticed that it was not locked. The locks on it were broken off and we found a knife on the ground. It didn't look like a kitchen knife or a switchblade, but more like a butter knife. I had a really weird feeling in my stomach about this and I suggested that we head back. Sean agreed, so we both put the flashlights back in the bag and we were about to start walking back when we heard a noise. It sounded like heavy footsteps walking down, so we both decided to hide in the corner between the stairs and the railing on them. We dropped the bag and immediately stayed silent. The guy was wearing a dark gray hoodie with the hood up. The glimpse of his face that we got showed that he had a small beard and long, slicked-back hair. He seemed skinny, but he was wearing baggy clothes. His sweatpants seemed slightly too big, and he also kept his hands in his pocket. Sean and I were very uneasy, but we stayed silent. The guy paced himself around where we were, but eventually saw our bag on the ground. We were approximately 10 feet apart, but he didn't know we were there. Immediately, Sean signaled his finger to the left. That's the direction where we could run and be back to the mosque in about 5 minutes. We both knew the way there, but we were pretty scared. The guy eventually took the bag and was about to head inside the kindergarten, so we got ready to run. We heard the door close and waited for about a minute before moving. We slowly went down the stairs and were about to cross the street when we heard someone say in a loud voice, The rain feels pretty good, huh? We looked back and saw the guy with the knife held at his side. At this point, his hood was falling down around his face so you could only see the smirk on it. He was still at the door of the front of the entrance, so we booked it. And dear God Almighty, I'm thankful to my track coach. The guy still had the book bag, but we were just lucky to get away. We didn't see the guy anywhere and eventually made it back. We dried off with towels in the mosque's bathroom and took our jackets off. Sean said he didn't mind losing the bag or flashlight since they were old ones that he had lying around. The only downside is, it was his school book bag. It still might have had his name and address on there. So, creepy bearded man that had the knife, 
let's not meet again. This took place around 2008 if my memory serves me right. Me and my family had just moved to Costa Rica and we enjoyed spending most of our time at the beach. One beach in particular which was near a lovely little river I liked to swim in. It was on this same beach that nine-year-old me found a dead body floating in the ocean. To give a little context, I had been playing on the beach which we thought was a relatively safe beach, so my parents were further up. How wrong we were about it being safe. I remember seeing something floating in the water, but I wasn't sure what it was, so I went to investigate and found a dead man just floating there. Part of his leg had been hacked off. It was obvious he had not drowned. The man had clearly been murdered. Around this time, we had heard about a recent string of murders that happened both on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica where we were, and on the Pacific side. The murders had been happening every six months, rotating in between both regions of the country. So, there was reason to assume this murder had been done by the same person, since it seemed to fit the timeline. As far as I can remember, the details of the murder were never disclosed in any of the local newspapers, only that the man had been a tourist from England. So there was no way for anyone who had not seen the man on the beach to know the specifics of his murder. Eventually the whole thing blew over, and we returned to that same beach. I can't quite remember a time frame, but it was definitely within a few months of me finding the dead man that the next part happened. One day I was swimming in the river with my mother when a very strange man popped up out of the water, startling us. He had a spear gun in hand and a snorkel mask on. Anyway, he began talking to my mom and I think we could both tell that something was just off about this guy. I wasn't really paying attention for most of their conversation but I do remember him bringing up the recent murder on the beach, and he seemed to know a great lot of details about it, which as I previously mentioned were not really available to the public at the time. It almost seemed as if he was trying to confess that he was the one who murdered the man, but without directly saying so. He also talked about how he traveled between the Caribbean and the Pacific side of Costa Rica, spending half a year in each spot. Eventually, they also got on the topic of what he did for a living, and he went into a lot of detail about how he made the masks for the movie's eyes wide shut, and that he would make those masks, and I presume other ones based on real live human emotions, and that he specifically likes capturing the look of fear. We were totally taken back by this guy and really didn't know what to do. Eventually, he just got back into the river and swam away, and thankfully, we never saw him again. I don't know if this is related or not, but the weird string of murders suddenly stopped after that. I tried to find the article about the man who was murdered so I could link it, but couldn't seem to find any information about it.
A big thanks goes to our producers for this week's episode. Danielle, Ginger, Mike, Kat, Devin, Savannah, Pixel Donut, Janelle, Michelle, Diane, Joy, Josh, Shorty, Lauren, Rebecca, Araceli, Kehlani Hawaii, Obese J, KDP, Rory, Kaylee, Bradley, Christelle, Brandon, Shelby TX, Lorraine, Courtney, Chris, Heidi, Lila, Jaron, Carol, Holly, and World B Bird. If you're interested in becoming a member of the official Nightmare Society Campfire Online, you can find us on patreon.com slash nightmare society. It's a way you can show support for the podcast, or if you're just interested in bonus episodes, early access, and other fun stuff, that's where that is all housed. There's a few tiers for you to choose from, starting at a dollar a month. You can also contribute in writing Apple Podcast reviews. That is very much appreciated as well. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, sweet.